Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to The Jerick Show. Uh, I, as always, am Javad Malik, and today we will be talking about spoof sites, uh, some outages, uh, local law enforcement not following the law, and QR codes. And it's not just me and the, the other American. Uh, we do have a very special guest, so stay tuned. Welcome to The Jarek Show, featuring your hosts, Javad Malik and Eric Crone. Timely topics, poorly presented. Mr. Crone, how are you doing? I am thrilled to be here. It's Friday. We're doing this live again because we haven't learned our lesson yet, but hey, that's okay. Um, we've got some pretty good stories today, and I'm thrilled that we're going to have Ethan Smart on. Yes. Can we bring him in? Yeah, let's bring him in. Why not? All right. I don't have a tiger to like present next to my face like you guys. I'm just so envious of that. I was Hashtag life goals. I think I have like a, a snowman picture from my daughter. I thought about like holding oh, that's that. Brilliant. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I still, you know, I got to ask you though, this has been an ongoing thing. Who pulled it off better? Oh, man, putting me on the spot. I mean, Javad, you just felt like the work that was put in, you know, there was real design time. But but Eric, you just had the like the just raw, just like, you know, hacker troll mindset of just this is all I have to do and I can do it just as good. So I'm going to say it's a tie. I'm going to say it's a tie. Oh, wow. Well, look, look at that. Wow. This guy should be a politician. Wow. Yeah. I'm impressed. You, you covered both things right there. So, no. uh, well, welcome to the show. It's great having you here. Um, it's been a while since we had a guest and, you know. Um, we miss that. Uh, there's so much that we gain from other people being on the show. And, you know, we, we talked a bit in the pre-talk here and and you, you're a pretty smart guy. So I'm really looking forward to some of your your outlooks on things and hearing more about what it is you're you're up to and doing. So uh, uh, having said that, uh, Javad. As what, they say, what, what say smart by name, smart by nature. Uh, only by name for me, but I, <laughs> but I appreciate it, and I will send you both the Starbucks gift cards. I promised. That's great, just great. I appreciate it. I'm feeling good already. Yeah, you see, folks, nice. if you want to sponsor us, it's just easy. Just promise Eric a Starbucks. <laughs> you can be on the show too. So that. Oh, cool. yeah. um, so let's jump straight into the first story of the the day the week um nintendo's warns of spoofs sites pushing fake switch discounts uh what's a switch i i'm a bit out of touch with nintendo stuff it, it's the nintendo um the latest console game thing that they have right now uh, my daughter has one it's kind of portable there's one that you can dock uh it, it's it's nintendo stuff what know? what was wrong with the nintendo 64 i'm still confused on you know that <laughs> Hey, I, I'm not gonna lie. I like the Wii, and we have a Wii U too. And I'm still, I'm still loving Mario Kart. Unlike the Wii U, I mean, really, yep. it's 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 timeless. Yeah. Yep. Now it's well, interesting though, right? Because it's 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 new new technology, right, for the gaming and everything. And yet the uh, the hacks and the and the frauds and everything, it's it's not new, right? It's still yeah. like the the same things over and over again. And 
it still works right which is is fascinating but it's it's interesting to see the different brands that they just continue to extend out to and and new new targets right new demographics to go after yeah, yeah well and exactly. i think like what, so one of the big things is that um these um these accounts actually they they gain value over time as well so whereas many years ago taking over mm -hmm. someone's gamer account didn't mean much nowadays it's big business and big money especially if they've leveled up on certain games and you know True. all that kind of stuff so it, like people are really really invested in this stuff you're right yeah yeah and and with the modern consoles you know they keep kind of like like leveling up leveling up we got all this new stuff but you can't get them either which is kind of interesting that this the switches were really hard to get you know a playstation 5 i haven't seen one in this store ever um mm. even the new xboxes are difficult you know we saw the christmas season we see people just gouging for prices on stuff like this mm. and that's where something like this i mean the switches have not even been super easy to get and with our chip shortage which we've all heard about over and over again um getting this kind of stuff is is difficult and so that's mm. why it's so alluring to have like discount sites mm. fake people into discounts it's it's total social engineering um mm. but a great way to to make some money on the side <laughs> side hustles for 2022 good timing right. i like it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you know it it we we talked about this in the christmas season uh in the holiday season there javad remember we talked about how um this is such a uh a great scam for pulling people in, especially on the holidays. People get desperate for this. You know, little Johnny's over here pitching a fit on the floor because he doesn't have his PS5. So what do you do? You know, you see these things out there for eight, nine hundred bucks and then something pops up and it's like, hey, super special deal. Let's convince you, you know, you get it for a hundred bucks off and you're feeling pretty good about things. You're wanting to jump in there to shut the kid up. So yeah, uh, really effective. It it's interesting too uh what you mentioned what you mentioned uh javad that we uh our our digital identity keeps extending right because it used to be just you were a person and you had a social security number and if you were old enough you had a bank account but then now as kids it's or, or anyone right because i'm a gamer too right now it's more than that even before kids have bank accounts they have these digital identities that they have a lot of emotion emotions time energy spent into them and so the attack surface even uh across multiple demographics just keeps expanding as individuals so it's interesting to, to start to see that as well yeah that's right so i, I think uh, we should start a streaming account javad where you and i we do some gamer streaming. We can do like <laughs> Hangman. We can do all of the classics like that. Some tic tac toe. No, we, we, we should do gaming stream, but we should do streaming, but more security related. And it'd be three hours of everyone watching you trying to exit Vim. <laughs> I'm going to call you out on that, though, because you told me yesterday that the Vim thing was overplayed, pal. And here you are throwing it up again. Delivery. <laughs> That's fantastic. So apparently there was an Alexa outage. Um, thankfully, I didn't notice it. Otherwise, I would have had to manually turn on my lights, which would have been uh, terrible. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it went down for a couple of hours. Um, not a big story here. I, I suppose that the, the story here is that, you know, we, we, we're quite dependent. Slowly, slowly, we've been become addicted as society to a lot of interconnected devices iot and what have you and i, I don't think people fully appreciate uh how how things are connected 
and how much we we rely on things. Um, you know, forget about enterprises. And um, I think even in your house, if you ask someone, how many internet connect connected devices do you have? Or how many devices are in your house have an IP address? Mm. Or how much storage do you have? I, I think it goes back to the classic, like, forget enterprise. Even within the home, we have a massive asset management problem. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Every time I look at my network, I go, holy crap, I got a bunch of things on my network. Like I have all these little IoT devices and stuff. I don't even realize. I'm like, how did I go through 70 IPs on my home, uh, on my home network? But, you know, it's it's definitely happening. And you're right. These little things like this, you know, popping up all over. Now, I didn't notice Alexa being out either. So, um, Alexa, were you broken today? <laughs> Yeah, she doesn't know. I that, don't know. Right? That. She's not admitting to anything here, right? She's just like, I, I saw nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Honey, did you leave the house last night? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> right, right, right. But it is, it's, you know, these things have become so common. And yeah, um, you're right. I, like, I use it to turn on my studio lights. Like, you know, if I walk in and I say, computer, turn off studio lights. Um <laughs> Yep. It, oh, it didn't work. Uh, <laughs> I used to be able to do that with Javas. <laughs> we had a plain okay. Barry Manilow and all kinds of stuff. So anyways, okay. yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so uh, Pegasus, we've spoken about Pegasus, mm. the, uh, the 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 horribly uh, intrusive mm. uh, spy spyware. And uh, it, it's created by an Israeli firm. But now apparently... Israeli police got caught with their hands in the cyber cookie jar by um, using this to spy on local, um, well, civilians or people who they don't like. Mm. Um, it's really, really, it, it, I mean, this is a, a really deep issue. So yeah. uh, it, it's it's too much for us to cover in, mm. in all of its detail. But I think it raises the really big important question is like you can create these surveillance tools, but you need to have some oversight. You need mm -hmm. to have some some way of controlling who has access, vetting who has access, because this has been sold to like, you know, really dodgy regimes around the world who, who've got a really bad track record of like, ah, you 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 said something derogatory about or, or cracked a joke about her, his royal highness and therefore you you will be disappeared. Um so I, I think something like this is quite quite scary. Um, I don't know. I sound like a, a, a proper lefty now, but um, <laughs> it does concern me. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting to see, right? The uh, I think this is true across a lot of different tool sets. That it's more and more mechanisms to break in or to hack any type of system is being democratized, both generally to the people, but then also you see. Uh, not just criminals using it, but you see, you know, the government and uh, certain government entities. Ours is perfect. We have 100% privacy. So uh, I would, uh, you know, never think that we would ever have to deal with that. My text messages are my own and I'll stop talking um, because they're listening. So um, it's it's interesting to see as these different mechanisms have, have started to got to get democratized and go both up and down more to the people. Um, but then also it's it's playing into some of the other topics we've already talked about with Alexa, with our, our digital identities, where this attack surface uh, ways to get to us just keeps expanding, right? It's not just the desktop that we have in the basement where, you know, we go downstairs to play, you know, 
tic-tac-toe on the internet or chess on the internet <laughs> or something like that anymore. You know, you, you are constantly tied to your phone, interfacing with your phone all day. It's with you all the time. My wife always says for some reason, she doesn't want to get an easy pass for New Jersey's turnpike uh, because she's like, someone's going to track my location. And I was like, you know, there's easier ways to do that. You know, you don't, you don't, it, I promise like, it's okay. I don't want to pay cash at the toll booth anymore. Um, but it's just interesting to see the attack surface just keeps broadening. Right. It's, it's, it's fascinating to see. Let me introduce you to meta. AKA yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook, right? Exactly. Yeah, you know, this Pegasus thing is interesting because this is such a powerful tool. It really honestly is. And, and it's ironic how, how much this is kind of like spread and it keeps showing up. It's like whack-a-mole. It goes away mm -hmm. and then boom, it pops up somewhere else. And here we're seeing the state using it against their own civilians. And like you said, um, our, our government would never do that. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And uh, you know, my NSA guys probably got brain damage from face <laughs> so much all day. Right. Uh, but anyways, it, this is this is definitely an issue and these tools do exist and they exist across the board and they are very invasive and as we have more and more of this digital identity and these things continue to happen you know we are going to be at a point where we can be tracked anywhere now ironically i i happen to be in the middle of the book 1984 right now i'm doing the audio book on that and uh, it, it's kind of interesting, uh, the uh, the stuff that you see back there. If you've never read the book or, or done the audio book, it is a very fascinating book. And we have all these terms, Big Brother and all that. And I am not a tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theory guy, but it is interesting to see um, kind of the ideas of how this could go so far. And we do need to be aware of, of this type of stuff and keep an eye on it. Um, with respect to the Israeli government spying on their people, that's, in my opinion, kind of a bad thing. Um, but yeah. we also have to understand that we, even in Europe, even in your case, Javad, or, or in the U.S. especially, we tend to be used to having different levels of privacy mm. and expectations of privacy than perhaps in other places as well. There is that. I think that there's two steps to it, though. One is like your expectation of privacy and then what's going to happen as a result of not having privacy. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you know, I, I'm reminded of this from yeah. a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's still one of my favorites. Back on the show, we have this particular article. Yeah. So back from 2014. Um, Oh. So, so th this was related to drone strikes uh, that uh, in Afghanistan, and and uh, I, I think it was some U U U.S. citizen was also killed in one of them. And you know, it's 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 a long thing, and I don't want to politicize it all, but um, I, I think it's important. And I, I'm reminded of a quote by Rowena Fielding, one of our previous guests, Eric. And I don't know whether she said it on here or whether it was afterwards, but she says that when we are protecting data these days it's not the data that we're protecting it's actual people that we're protecting yeah. mm. and that's something to to bear in mind and i think that the, the pendulum swings more towards that way with with everything that we that we uh have uh in terms of online identities and what have you yeah that was a pretty profound statement she made on that and and it really does open up 
you know, th that was on the show, I believe, because we were talking about the difference between as security practitioners, how we look at privacy and how privacy professionals look at privacy and how we see things a little bit differently on that. And that was a, that was something that stuck with me that I, I think about quite a bit when we're talking about these <laughs> privacy stories and, and security in general. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's one thing I love about cybersecurity, right, as a field is it's it's not just a job, right? We're not just techies who like to fiddle with computers and, oh, we were all once hackers. And so now just because it's not legal to be bad, we're on the good side. For us, it's actually very, I feel like cybersecurity is a very altruistic uh, field and it's really more of a calling, right? We We legitimately care about protecting people, protecting brands, protecting your privacy, protecting privacy of customers. It's real cybersecurity and in, in all of its broad fields, right, is is truly a, a very altruistic calling, at least in my opinion. That's what I tell my my wife every night when she's trying to fall asleep and she's like, please stop talking. <laughs> well, it's a hard uh, it's a hard industry to be in if you're not passionate about it. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. If you're not passionate about it, trust me, go get a CPA and uh, right. you know, <laughs> less <laughs> yeah. stress, more money. I promise. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. hundred percent. All Phoenix right. Field has dethroned Microsoft as the most imitated brand in phishing attacks. <laughs> and uh, I, I think this is a, a, a an interesting one to see how there's probably a couple of factors uh, to this. One is that since lockdown, people, now order everything online they don't you know they there's probably there's been an increase in online shopping and what have you and dhl one of the most prominent carriers um globally is makes it a, a very interesting um uh or well-known brand that you can um uh, spoof and uh, a lot of their, their their messages they come through and there are links in it i mean i, I had something delivered by dhl uh just yesterday and and a few days before that and, and a day before that but uh, i don't have a wrong <laughs> problem <laughs> but, but it, it it was funny because uh, it comes through as a text message and it was like well here's a link click here to to uh for no contact delivery and or set your preferences as to where to leave the parcel if you're not at home mm. or, or what have you so um i think it's interesting dhl at least for me as an american um, at least in my position, I think I've had a total of seven DHL packages delivered ever. And a lot of those were ones that I purchased off like AliExpress yep. and they were coming from overseas in. Um, so it's not as common here, I think, at least not in, in what I see as UPS or FedEx. But it's a reminder of how global things are, not just American. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, Javad? As you yeah. like to remind me, not everything revolves around America. <laughs> um, but it is interesting that that work and the, these are very um, these are very effective messages when it comes to sending people ones related to your uh, your delivery being delayed or, hey, if you want to change this or the ones that are like, hey, there's customs due on this. Those mm -hmm. are also a big one. Yeah. 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 Well, it's interesting too, right? From a from a Microsoft perspective and DHL, DHL has a lot of brand awareness internationally. I agree with you. You in the US, it's been, you know, I used to sell, oh man, this is a throwback. I don't even know if I want this publicized, but I used to sell fidget spinners when that was a hype, you know, oh, for a while. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah, you know, oh man, I gotta, uh, anyway, I'll turn bright red for that one. No, but I was doing that for a while, you know, and so that's probably the only time I got a DHL package. 
But if you think about from a, oh man, this sounds horrible. But if you think about hacking from like a, a startup perspective or a market cap perspective and you're doing market analysis, that sounds horrible. But from a hacker's perspective, you know, Microsoft, there's only so many ways you can get in. From a consumer tech, you see Apple, you know, taking more. And people have techies generally near them, right? So if Microsoft called my mom, she'd just hang up and she would say, Ethan, someone just called me and said, I, I have a virus. And I go, yeah, you probably do. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll deal with it later. Um, and so with DHL, though, you know, God forbid I don't get my Starbucks creamer in time, all hell will break loose in my household, you know. So I think it's if you look at what you're trying to what people want and they want immediately is they want their stuff delivered to their house. Something happens with their computer. Things can wait. I can call someone else, et cetera, and so on. So it's more exploitable to go down down that route so it's interesting to see when you mentioned market research but this really happens yeah with these groups that are doing this stuff they are researching this stuff they run a b campaigns these are marketing folks they they yeah. treat these like businesses and and i wish people understood how um how advanced a lot of these fishing groups are when it comes to this they're not just grabbing stuff out of the air and going Hey, uh, I heard this Nigerian prince guy. Let's see if we can get people to, uh, you know, to think that they're going to send them money. It's mm. not like that. These folks are really, really good. And so they do market analysis. They do testing like this. Mm. And it's it's obviously working for them. 23% yeah. of all phishing attacks globally. Wow. Mm. Yeah. You know what? Uh, you know what they say? What's a hacker's favorite season of the year, right? It's fishing season. Come on. Ah, <laughs> no, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We do, we do. So, um, we, we have a colleague of ours, James, and he is the ultimate dad joke master. Uh, yeah. it, it, it's like even the, the, the granddad level jokes. And he dishes them out to us like on every meet. We, we, we meet every morning and and we're trying to get a petition to get him banned from telling those jokes. So. <laughs> I'm trying to start legislation, actually, locally. It's oh. a grassroots movement. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> well, you know, I, oh, man, I'll hold the joke in. I'll yeah, hold yeah. it in. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that. We appreciate it. Yeah, that. yeah. Since so clearly, were... this, I, I hit a sore point. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to press. <laughs> yeah. So if anyone wants to send comments uh, about this, please feel free to drop it in the comments. Um, we will be sure to share with him that we never want these kind of jokes again. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Sign the petition. <laughs> Support right. our GoFundMe. Sorry. <laughs> QR codes. Javad, I thought those were dead like 10 years ago. That's that's what marketing they were, told me. They, they were dead. And then I found that during lockdown they they sort of made a resurgence so a lot of restaurants and cafes you go to now they'll have a qr code on the on the table yep. and you scan that for the menu so um and, and actually i was walking past some billboard the other day and it had the poster for the new batman movie and there's a qr code in the in the corner saying scan it to watch the trailer mm, so yeah. um yep. so i think that there are more and and all of your uh, rapid flow tests or whatever you, you do for your COVID, they all have a QR code on it. So, you, you know, you track where, where it's been or, or you register all the details on it. They were all over at CES too. I mean, pretty much every booth had hit this QR code real quick and go. And it used to be that you had to install a QR code reader on your, uh, on your devices, but now it's just part of the camera these days, I think. Yeah. Hmm. So what happened here? 
So what happened here is people saw these uh, parking meters and they made up their own stickers. They stuck them on there saying, hey, for to pay online, scan me. Uh, you scan it and it took you to a website. It was a classic like phishing type of yeah. site. It, it's like pay, parkingforpayment.co.com or whatever, like, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, so it looks legit. And it said, put in your location code, your reg number, and your payment details here. So your name, your credit card detail, uh, and whatever. And, and you'd fill it all out, click it, and it'd say, well, your your parking has now started. So thank you. And unbeknownst to the victim, uh, they've now got all of your details. And so they're, they're going on a spending spree while you're, you know. And you get a parking ticket. Because you didn't actually pay it, right? Double whammy, yeah. Talk about mm. salt in the wound there. But it, it's brilliant. And, mm, you know, if you is. think about it, as we move into these these new ways of doing things, right? I remember parking meters where you're like, man, I got I to gotta find a quarter. Like, where, where do I get my change to drop it in here? And now I've actually stood in front of parking meters feeling like an idiot because I only have change, right? And, and so there's... We, as we move into that, especially with some of the the older or less technical generations, they're just going to go, oh, this must be the way that it is. So this is yeah. actually quite a brilliant angle at gathering people's information, getting credit card information and basically um, another side hustle. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go on. Go on. Oh, no, I thought it was fascinating. I, when I when I heard it, like, you know, of, of course. I'm on the I'm on the blue team, of course. So I'm like, oh, that's horrible. But in my head, I'm like, that was such a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, part of me is just like, man, like, so mad props, because like, I just, you know, because it's so it's so simple, right? You're extending out something. It's a new habit. You know, these park mobile, mm -hmm. all these different apps, they're generally new. Right. And, uh, you know, they've been around for a while, but the the mass adoption of them is just coming through. Um, and so it's interesting that they just had the idea of it's a new habit. People don't have a lot of filters. No one's really done this before guards down. People just want to park. They do want, they want to do it quick. Like you don't want to stand in front of your car and try to figure out parking. You're trying to get that done as fast as possible. So behaviorally you're just, it's like, I, I, it's, I'm guilty of it. It's like sheeple. It's just, I want to do this as fast as possible. Let me scan this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to throw my phone in my pocket and I'm off to the co coffee shop for my mocha. You know, like yeah. it's, I thought like as bad as that sounds, I was like, I, I have, have to have some respect for, for thinking about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and on the QR things, I've noticed when I go to scan them, like you said, at, at the restaurants and stuff, when I go to scan them, a lot of times it'll pop up and it'll give me the first you know, 15 characters of the URL, but you can't see the rest of it, right? Because it's just like, hey, do you want to go here? Well, I mean, we all know that uh, that's spoofed all the time. So you look at it, it looks legit, like pay your parking now, you fool. Uh, <laughs> but then it goes on to be like, and we're going to take your money.com. You don't see the other part. You just go, oh, okay, yeah, it looks legit. Boom, you're yeah. there. And it's so hard on mobile sometimes to figure out what's legit and what's not, even for those of us that are kind of in the know, that are technical people, uh, much less grandparents and parents and, you know, those of the the older generations or those that are just not technical. So it is it is brilliant. Mad props on that. I hate them for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we'll see more of this. Don't worry. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, folks, this is your regular reminder that we are on YouTube and uh, we, we do live stream. You can also find us on uh, um, your podcast player of choice. 
And you can follow us on Twitter at The Jerrit Show, or you can follow us individually. Well, that's mine and Eric's Twitter handle up on the screen. I'm sure Ethan's can uh, Ethan can share his as well. I'm not. I'm not on Twitter. I'm sorry. Uh, oh. <clears throat> I know. I know. That is brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. And I've been drastically cutting down my Twitter usage. Um, last year, I uninstalled all social media apps from my phone. So mm -hmm. I, I have to be on the desktop to use it. And that alone was such a massive uh, sort of um, relief because it, it's just so addictive. I can't think of any better term. Yeah, you're probably not nearly as depressed as the rest of us that are on Twitter. <laughs> it does. It just sucks the soul right out of you. Infosec Twitter is great and horrible at the same time. Like you can learn a lot. There's there's very intelligent people there. And then yeah. it's just it's it's soul rotting evil. Well. <laughs> I'm trying to reduce my exposure to all of the uh, meta possibilities. You know, if if Twitter will ultimately be injected in there. But it's uh, you know, it's only a given amount of yeah. time before I I drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. But yeah, there is a lot of value on Twitter actually, both professionally and there's plenty of personal reasons to be on there. So I've been like so on the fence for so long, and maybe just so I can follow you guys, I think I'm gonna just take the plunge. Oh. <laughs> uh, because you. you guys you guys said I was smart both by name and nature. I just feel like I, I have to just hey. <laughs> yeah. we're we're really good at uh, at brown nosing like that. <laughs> Whatever it takes. It's the only reason oh. Eric's in a job. But uh, yeah. But yeah, so before we, we move on to um, just understanding what uh, a bit about you, here's something that no matter how depressed you are, will always guarantee to cheer you up. It's raining men. <laughs> we won't play it too long in case we get a copyright strike against that. But uh, yes, <laughs> so... <laughs> These days I'm coming in here and I'm going to strip that right out of our, <laughs> of our videos here. Um, yeah. You think uh, I don't have backups? I'm sure you do. Resiliency. Come on. Yes. Uh, <laughs> all right. Oh, so, so Ethan, you're with AppNovi. And, and I'm curious here because we, we chat a little bit about what AppNovi does and, and what you do for us um, in the beginning of the show. And I'm actually fascinated because I think it really hits on one of the biggest struggles that I always had as a practitioner, and that is knowing just what the hell is on my network. So mm -hmm. can you tell us real quick about AppNovi? Just give us a heads up as to, to what you do and, and yeah. why people need it. Yeah, so uh, so my co-founder and I, Joe, are, are InfoSec practitioners, right? Turned co-founders. Um, you know, we, it, in the best way possible, we quit our, our jobs in the height of the pandemic. It was a great idea. And, uh, and said, Hey, let's, um, let's, let's get uh, humbled every single day by trying to start a, a startup together. And uh, it's been actually an awesome journey. We've gotten to help a lot of people and we've loved it. But simply what we do is we map and reduce people's attack surface from the inside. Right. And so we help continuously discover what is on your network using the tools you already have. We're not an agent. We're not a scanner. So here's a continuous list of your assets from what's in the cloud, what's on premise, what do your users have, what are their interrelations and putting in network telemetry as well to say not only here's what you have, but here's how they're all interrelated. Right. And so you can use that to do lots of fun stuff. So our, we're very proud that when like Log4j came out, uh, people could map their exposure 
externally into their network in, in you know, less than 30 seconds, as an example. Uh, and so, you know, we, we love what we do. It's, it's been a ride. We're practitioners. So when we write software or we make features, it's, would I have used this? No, probably not. Let me, let me go build something else. Nice. So you're going to have to pry some spreadsheets out of people's cold dead hands <laughs> yeah. uh, when it comes to this. Cause I mean, that's, that's kind of how I did it all the time is, is spreadsheets and trying to track this and that and what's installed yeah. and all that. And that is a nightmare when you're running oh, yeah. anything more than about three machines on a network. Yeah. So I, I love that you said that, right? Because our big thing was people have the data it's just somewhere. It's either tribal knowledge in someone's head. It's in a CSV. It's in, you know, much like, uh, much like my, uh, my hometown that I grew up in in normal Illinois, there's a lot of silos, right? They're not farm silos, but <laughs> they're everywhere. And so our key thing was we don't need to make some magic AI tool to solve problems for practitioners. What we really need to make is just something that helps automate and bring together all these different disparate uh, pieces of data and put it in a in a very simple easy to use workspace so yeah it's because everyone's been using the csv or some uh xyz security engineer quick scripted something for us and now we're doing yeah. this and so it's just a simple problem with a massive impact and that's really what why what excited us about about making it is hey man we could have used AppNovi like we said in the or very early days, because we, we were bootstrapping and we're like, man, if, if this doesn't work and I go back to being a SOC analyst, I'm just going to bring this piece of software in and keep building it because it's just so practical. Like, yeah, so that's been our mindset. Uh, that's awesome, because because I think I, I'm such a big fan of this approach. And I, I, I was mentioning before that I used to work as an analyst, industry analyst at 451 Research, and I speak to startups all the time. And so often you see that the 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 technology is so over-engineered or complicated or it's trying to solve a problem that it kind of exists but it's not really mm. specifically targeting any any one pain point and mm. we 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 keep going back to these fundamental issues that you know if you've been working on the industry as long as eric has like 30 40 years or something <laughs> then then you know that you know there, there are challenges of asset management from day one credential mm. hygiene from day one, you know, monitoring from day one, patching, you know, all these things like social engineering or, or, or you know, those, those sorts of like phishing emails. So, so these are the fundamental issues we've been dealing with for such a long time. And I think if mm. we can get these under control, then it will be so much better. Uh, mm. to, to, to then you know you you have that foundation then you can start working on those edge cases yeah I, absolutely you know what's what's interesting is I, you know we're we're starting to incorporate some ai and, and ml under the hood but we took the total opposite route like we were like let's not build some ai ml engine and then like find a problem to match our solution yeah. we were like let's build something small and practical get users using it and then once we start watching them do things, then you can start to put those things on top of it to just do it a little smarter, a little faster. And so we we try to just be as practical as possible. And so it's it's great. It's interesting to hear that from you, right? We didn't want to build something that was convoluted, that was built for maybe just trying to get an investment money. It was focused on how do we just solve this really annoying problem that's been around for, you know, however many years. And yeah. of all things that I see AI and ML being leaned towards and used for, things like this is actually where I think we get benefit. 
And that is mm. these re repetitive tasks where somebody's got to have eyes on things or putting things together. You know, AI and ML, it never gets bored. Um, mm. It never starts thinking about what it's doing on the weekend or did last weekend or whatever, right? It, it can actually do a good job of these these very difficult like parsing tasks and stuff like mm. that, that are, that are hard for people to stay focused on. Yeah. Now, the other thing I love about this is I have not yet heard the phrase and I may put my foot in my mouth right now, but I have not heard the phrase blockchain from you yet. So, uh, <laughs> well, buckle up. So That's... what we started with was an <laughs> NFT based. No. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 You know, it, it, it's, it's refreshing not to, to have the buzzword arama here. And, yeah. and you are actually dealing with a real issue. I know for me, um, you know, we were talking off scene too. I've got, I'm using like 60 something IPs in my house. Yeah. Um, that's just in my house. Uh, yeah. I don't even remember what the hell's around. As a matter of fact, the other day I was running around my house trying to figure out where I had put another one of my mesh routers. Like I, I found <laughs> two of the three and I'm like, where did I put that third one? And it was in yep. a network closet that I have, actually have built into a closet and I'd forgotten. Yep. I put it there, right? There's stuff that we put on networks all the time that we forget yep. about. Um, and, and asset management is so tough. And especially yep. now in the days of smart TVs and, you know, the, uh, the Alexa, who's listening to me now, uh, <laughs> as we just talked about earlier, these things are actually ending up in offices as well. And if yep. you don't know you have them, you don't know what your, your, um, you know, your attack surface really is. Yeah. I, yeah. So it's, it's amazing that you just said that, right? Because uh, that's why not only the uh, asset inventory was important for us, but also taking a look at the security data and taking a look at network data, right? Because people have been particularly developers, but I try not to get too hard on them because, uh, you know, I am one myself. So they've been accepting risk without really knowing what those implications are for so long. Right. And often that's because there's not a common language or or mechanism you can communicate between cybersecurity and developers and infrastructure and other app teams and the networking team. And so what AppNovi, what we accidentally built really was a way for all those teams to have a common platform to communicate on. Because when you see all the data in one place, networking data, application telemetry, asset inventory with security data, everyone's starting to speak a, a common language, right? And they're they're in the same workspace together that's shareable and say, oh yeah, that's a person who owns, I'm that person who owns that machine, which has this vulnerability, which has this network communication to the internet. Networking team, do you see why that's a problem? Maybe that needs segmentation, you know? CMDB team, do you understand that's a problem? We don't, we didn't know we had this, right? Security team, you see like why we need to go focus on this, right? So everyone's starting to use one one common medium to communicate. And that's been super exciting for us to see. Uh, people use the tool in like ways we never expected to. It's been super fun. Mm. I'm going to ask a real quick question here. That's, it's, uh, I mean, I'm not like a, a, a marketing, you know, we're not salespeople or whatever, but <laughs> I'm always curious What's your licensing model on this? How's that? Work? Oh man, I I am not a sales guy either, and I hate okay. that question. So no, we uh, we <laughs> thankfully we've had a great conversation about that with uh, with some of our practitioners. So when we started with our design partners, instead of like this is what we're doing because we're trying to maximize maximize revenue, we sat down and had conversations 
with our design partners and customers and said, you get licensing sent to you all the time. Like what works and what doesn't? Because we want to build something that really matters for the market. And so we went down a few different routes. And what we landed on was this approach of doing per asset, right? But knowing that users generally don't know that number. So we usually say, tell us what you think we do know. We can start with that number for now. Let us figure out for you if it's less or more, maybe in the POC, or even just do a, a you know do a, a smaller kind of initial deal for a year. And really, what we want to do is is we want to help you understand that number. And so we built it around the value we were trying to provide, which was understanding what that core number number is. And so it's never perfect, right? Um, but that was really our approach: was if we work with people, if we ask open, transparent questions with the people we're working with, I think we can get to that solution faster. That's a nice that, approach. That's amazing. I, I think that that just shows like, again, I think it's it comes down to the, the practitioners wanting to build something for practitioners. That's yeah. the difference between mm-hmm. someone who's uh, trying to build something for, especially once you've got investors involved and you, you, then, then you're under a lot of pressure to, mm-hmm. to build for them and to generate X, Y, Z value yeah. for, for whatever. Yeah, um, I'm st- I'm still seeing a therapist over my years of having to deal with licensing and IBM. So, uh. <laughs> Can I have their number? Uh, no, okay. I'm just kidding. No, it's yeah, yeah it's I, I appreciate <clears throat> that. And you know, there's definitely um, you know so much room. It's it's been interesting. We've started to talk to more investors, and and they have great insights too. But I think upfront, us not having that pressure, like you said, was was freeing. And now having them come in and, and talk about our mindset and their mindset has been actually really intellectually stimulating to to hear from them too. But it was important for us that we start bootstrapped so that we can have that transparency in a in a pace that that we felt was appropriate. And and now we're looking forward to to future partnerships for sure too. So it's been yeah. it's been a ride. Awesome. Awesome. So so that's great about AppNovi. What I think I, I'm really interested, in, I think what our listeners will be really interested in is like, who's Ethan Smart and where did he come from? How did you end up in this in this field? Because I, I, one thing I found like with practitioners, everyone's got a really good story about yeah. how they how they broke in. Yeah. So um, so let's go all the way back to the no. Um, I am I'm not I haven't been I think my co-founder and I were talking. I played um, a song. It was oh I can't even remember the name now, but it was. By Mariah Carey, when you walk by, I'm going to sing on stream. That's great. Whatever that song was. And I realized it came out the year I was born. And I was like, Joe, this came out the year I was born. And he goes, I think I have t-shirts older than you, Ethan. And so, uh, so we'll only go back uh, some years back to high school where we took those tests that are supposed to tell you what you should maybe do with your life. And the, the result was you should be like a firefighter or a woodworker or you should like, I think like janitorial services or something like that, which were all great fields and everything. But I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And then everyone was like, Ethan, you're such a nice guy. Go be a counselor, you know, go help, you know, like, um, you know, whoever else, however you can go into like the the mission field or something. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go be a hacker. Uh, this is uh, <laughs> this is the route I want to take. And so everyone was like, okay. And ultimately how it started was just curiosity, right? So I figured out how to make a a Facebook credential harvester. I changed all the high school home lab 
uh, computer homepages to that page, hosted it on some device I had on the network. It would have been great if they had AppNovi, could have found that faster. Um, and so I, I stole a bunch of my high school um, colleagues' uh, credentials, changed some of their profile pictures to a picture of me. And so I was like, this is super fun. Um, I'm in huge trouble and attention for a while, but this is super fun. And so I just started working in IT and then ultimately the, the CISO of, of, McDon uh, of McDonald's at the time, Mark Varner, he's a great guy, ultimately gave me a shot when I was just doing some night shift IT work. I think he's, he's over at, at Lowe's now. He's just a great guy. And I think cybersecurity is such a pay it forward mentality. Yeah. And he really helped mentor me and say, you know, let's iron out some of the rough hacker edges here into like, this is how you can really protect businesses, accelerate your career in this way. And so it's, it, that's kind of how the ride started. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. And you know what? You're not the first person to mention the value of having a good mentor or, or someone that can that can guide you and help you. Um, I, I, I know a lot of people think of like, you know, becoming a hacker as a solo mission. That you go out there, but it's it's really more of a team sport than I think it people is. people yeah. give credit. Yeah, you know we uh, we recorded another podcast <laughs> with a a very intelligent young lady the other day, and um, this was a, a different podcast, not this one. But anyways, she she's amazing, and one of the things she said to me that I just keep coming back to is in in information security and in cyber, we tend to spend like the first twenty years working on our career getting to where we are, learning, getting places like that. But then we can spend the last 20 years helping other people get to that yeah. as well. And I, I think that's great. We get to give back. And I really, I, I'm glad to see that mentality really does permeate the industry in a lot yeah. of ways. Uh, and, yeah. and it's something that I think we're all kind of in this together. We realize that this problem is bigger than just us. Yeah. And, you know, it may take a few years. I've seen some pretty cocky young guys, but um, <laughs> ultimately we, we finally realized that this is a bigger problem than, than just us. And, yeah. and people tend to be very caring and giving at that point. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Agreed. It's been, a, it's been quite a, like I could literally list just this long list of people who helped me from Mark, as I mentioned to, you know, there's Ed Gorski, Trevor Pepper, and then I go to the next job and I could list like five people and then next job and, yeah, I think it plays into the altruism, right, of cybersecurity. We're, it's a calling. It's a vocation. It's something that matters. And when we find other people who are passionate about it, we really just want to jump in, pour in, and, and get them in the field. And you, this is a little sappy. Sorry, I got some tears in my eyes. But it's, it's, it's really true. You know, you watch on LinkedIn, someone posts, hey, I'm trying to get into cybersecurity. And I watch even people like busy execs, right, who have so much going on. I think of Chris Zell. At, at Wendy's and all these other people, I just see them jump on the train and like commenting other people to look and, hey, everybody check this out. And people really jump in and want to support each other. And it's it's great to be a part of that community. And now I'm on the vendor side as a founder, but still to be a part in the InfoSec practitioner community. is It's a, it's awesome. It's such a ride sometimes, man. It is. Yeah. Eric, when are you going to start giving back to the community and helping? <laughs> Never. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so with that, <laughs> we've unfortunately had to get rid of Eric because we don't That's tolerate hilarious. that kind of negativity on this show. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, with that note, uh, Ethan, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here. Um, thank you so much uh, no, for I appreciate your time it. and generosity. And uh, uh, hopefully we can 
catch up again. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure and I will follow you on Twitter and uh, and I look forward to connecting. Don't again. join Twitter just on my say so. I think that, you you know, the, the, the benefits you get from Twitter may go down as well as up. So <laughs> <laughs> Noted. Noted. Awesome. Oh, well, thank you take so much. Care, have a good one. And everyone out there, thank you for joining us. And we will be back next week on The Jerick Show. Have a good one.